Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Just a heads up, during this episode, there were guys in our garage pounding on everything, drilling through walls, and sawing, I don't even know what they're sawing, I'm hoping it's not our cars. So, (laughs) we tried to edit around that, but you're going to hear some banging and crashing during this one, so enjoy. Earlier this week... Quite a while ago, we watched the movie Prey from 2022. <coughs> That's Prey with an E. Yeah. Because I, I I like that. that It's the latest entry in the Predator series. And I, th- I keep feeling like it was very clever to make the next Predator movie be called Prey. Yeah. That's I like fun. that. Mm-hmm. This film is not a horror movie. It's on IMDb. It's got horror in the list. But it's like seven down after thriller and drama and sci-fi and all these other things. So, like, I mean, there's an argument to be made. It is a horror movie in the sense that, like, it's a monster movie. Yeah. There's scariness with a big guy chasing you through the woods and he's invisible and all that. There's tension, but it's the same as, you know, an action movie. Like, yeah, he's dangerous and he's chasing you. That's... I mean, I think... An alien from another planet coming solely with the purpose to hunt you down and kill you should be horrific. <laughs> it just, like, it's supposed to be scary, I mean, right? It's, it's a question of presentation is what it is. Yeah. And this has, you know, horrific bits like where, oh, no, like, what are you going to do when the bear's coming at you? And also there's an invisible monster and, ooh, there's tense moments. But, you know. I would not qualify it in the horror genre. However, we're doing it anyway. I mean, do you think that's because of your own personal horror preferences, though? Because, like, I was telling a friend recently, this I liked this movie as much as I can like this subgenre of horror because monster movies never have really done it for me. I'm not afraid of aliens coming from another planet to hunt me as a human for sport because that's not real. And my too much not of my brain, yet. well, right, too much of my brain knows that's not real and is like, eh. Whereas well, it makes me think of like how I felt about X-Files. Like I always felt like the monster episodes were funny. Well, some of them were I mean, quite they were, funny. They were meant to be funny, but like they weren't scary at all. They were just funny to me. And I liked them, but they were like a completely different thing. Whereas the tension of the show was very much around the gaslighting that <laughs> that the government was doing to Mulder, right? Like yeah, that he knew this truth and everyone was telling him it was wrong, despite what he knew. Like, I don't yeah. know. Monster movies just don't scare me. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing when you refer to it as a monster movie. I Suddenly, that makes me think of things from the 50s where, you know, not Godzilla, but that type of movie, those American movies. Like The Blob and stuff like that. Which were officially horror and, you know, they're not scary. 
I mean, okay, what about The Thing is a monster movie. Well, that's a scary movie. Which is essentially the same principle of like, I mean, I don't know that they came for the purpose of hunting them for sport, but like they came to Earth to eat humans. I don't think that was their purpose, but that's a whole separate issue. But anyway, they came to Earth and did eat humans. Yes. And you're right. Like The Thing is a much scarier movie. So then that's interesting like to dig into why is one monster movie scarier than the other? And I think you're right. It comes down to presentation. Yeah. That, I mean, that's very gory. That's a body horror kind of thing. And there's a real element in that movie of um, there's tension about who is the thing. You know, it, it turns into people and you don't know which one of them is the guy. So that's like very psychological uh, paranoia. And the viewer is included in that paranoia whereas in prey we always know because they're you know it's like the what seven thousandth movie in the series in the (laughs) it's really not a big series no i know but like they've been around like these predator movies have been around for a long time so i think they were like well we're not going to try to pretend that the audience doesn't know what's happening so we were in on the secret and instead we're looking at this indigenous population that has not experienced this before or maybe only in like you know the distant only past. in movies <laughs> in their stories because there was a children's story that they referenced oh, yeah. where they were like oh you're afraid of a children's story so there might have been a past experience it could be or that just has turned just into more to a story yeah uh, that is an interesting point you make that we haven't told anybody what this movie's about. Yeah, we kind of just ran ran with the whole thing. So what is this movie about? It takes place in the 1700s, and an alien comes down and crashes and starts murdering people and animals. Question, does he crash? Oh, Or does sorry. he just get dropped off? Yeah, he gets dropped off. Okay. I there was a part at the beginning where the spaceship's like going through the clouds and it yeah. looks like it's on fire, but it's just making lights in the clouds. And I got all caught up in the crashiness of it. No, they dropped him off and he comes to kill a bunch of animals and people and he's just trophy hunting like you do. And the story is about this Comanche girl who, you know, has to find it within herself to beat the predator because... Otherwise, everybody's dead, including her. Right. It's just a survival thing. With with strong elements of the, like, girl who wants to do more than what girls are allowed to do in her society. Yeah, that's a big thread of it. The whole, uh, why do you want to hunt? Because nobody thinks I can. Right, right. Which, of course, made me think about a thing I had read recently relating to Captain Marvel. And mm-hmm. also made me think about... A Facebook fight I just had last night with someone about She-Hulk. <laughs> yes. Um, where there's this, there's a whole different storyline. There's a whole different way of telling a story when you have a main character, when your main protagonist is someone who has always had the skills, but those skills have always been disregarded. As opposed to the traditional, they need to gain skills to overcome this threat. Right. The difference between Captain Marvel, who like has these amazing powers that everyone around her is stifling, Mm -hmm. compared to Captain America, who was this like wimpy little twig of a dude and needed to 
have magic serum in order to <laughs> turn into the superhero. Like those are two very different stories and I like them both. But the number of times I have come across men who are like, well, she was strong in the beginning. So there's no character arc at all. And I'm just <laughs> like, dude, yeah, dude, it's internal conflict. Also, another recent thing it reminds me of is we just saw a TikTok that was entitled Every American Girl Movie Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It it involved this girl running around like in the 1700s or whatever going, I'm wearing pants. (laughs) You can run so much better in pants. Yeah. Like, it's it's that idea that when you take someone who has always been strong or who has always had the skills to be a great tracker or who has mm-hmm. always had the ability to wear pants. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, like when, when you take someone and culturally, societally strip them of, or, or like, like d- damper what they are capable of. And then they figure out they're being dampered and they're like, no more. This is not happening. That's a super different story. And like when the dude that I was arguing with last night, who's like, She-Hulk, the first episode of She-Hulk is terrible writing because she's not relatable. And I'm like, dude, she's one of the most relatable superheroes (laughs) I have ever experienced. Like the very concept that... Like, she doesn't need Bruce Banner to teach her how to control her anger because she's literally been doing it her whole life. (laughs) As Bruce Banner, like, mansplains anger to her. Oh, so relatable. Yeah, that is a clever bit of writing, and that's fun. Yeah. Going back to the movie, though, Naru is clearly one of the best trackers in her entire village. Her cousin? Brother? Her brother. Her brother... Um, knows this. He recognizes that she is better at this than he is, but he's the one who is given all the praise, is given all the opportunity to go hunting. Like, she has to sneak off to do these things. And he's the one who gets to become the war... He is made the war chief in, like, that ceremony. But he knows that she's the one. And, like, just societally, she gets no recognition. True. And then she has to beat an unkillable alien. Yes. Like most women. Yes. Which is another interesting thing because Predator is like way overpowered, especially mm-hmm. for this particular time period. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel... <laughs> a good scene for that. I kind of feel like in the Predator world, like... Don't you think that his buddies, when he's like, um, uh, I want to go back to 1719 on Earth, and they're like, dude, those people are still using, like, bows and arrows. Like, where is the challenge? You have lasers in your head. First of all, I don't think they time travel. I think this is is in the past. Fine, whatever. Second of all, I had a note, like, earlier in the movie, I'm like... I'm not really that impressed with a predator who manages to get his leg bit by a wolf while he's invisible. Right? (laughs) What? He gets attacked by a bear. He gets bit by a snake. The wolf gets him. Like, this is not the cream of the predator crop. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's why it's funny at the beginning. You know, they drop him off, and it's kind of like, is, is it is this his special trip, or are they just dropping him off? <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, there's the movies where the character who's supposed to be coming of age and is just like total nerd like <laughs> you know the the typical story arc where they have none of the skills and then they're you know trying to yeah become and finally this this predator's dad was just like fine you haven't chosen where you're gonna go i'm just gonna drop you off on earth it should <laughs> be, be like no problem fine you'll be fine and not so much it wasn't fine no. he did i mean he did great at first like he he picked up a bear and like ripped it in half. Like, good job. But then he met people, and there's a really funny scene where there's all these French trappers. They're like actually trying to trap the predator because they know he's, they found out he's there and killing people, and they're like, we're going to put a stop to this. And they're like all lined up in front of him with their guns, and they all fire, and he blocks it all or dodges it. And then they're sitting there reloading their muskets for the next minute and a half while he cuts them to pieces. (laughs) Their, like, fancy technology was not so impressive. Oh, speaking of the French fur traders, there was definitely a pointed moment that really, like, there there was no dialogue around it or anything. It wasn't until much later that it was even referenced, but it was a very pointed moment. After we've seen... Like, as the audience, we've observed that the predator has, like, skinned a snake, has skinned a rabbit, has skinned a wolf, has skinned a bear. Like, there's all these things. And then Naru comes across this, like, vast prairie covered with skinned buffalo. And she's just blown away. Like, this is a huge thing to her. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you've been primed. Like, my very first thought was, wow, the predator is, like... Mm -hmm. He's going to town right now. And then you immediately realize, like, oh, no, this no. wasn't the predator. Yeah, she finds a cigar next to the yeah. first one. Yeah. And you're like, oh, the real monsters are people. <laughs> yes. The predator is very singular. He's not wiping anything out. Also, the, the predator is a very principled killer. Predator only attacks things that it considers dangerous. Yeah, there's like a little predator vision where it goes boop, boop, boop. And there's like a triangle on whatever weapon a person is holding. And then he's like, oh, that's got to go. Yeah, yeah. Which actually is why I was able to realize, oh, the humans are the real monsters in that buffalo scene. Because I was like... Why would the predator have done this? Like this yeah. is this doesn't make any sense because I'm sure this herd of bison, like maybe one of them was protecting the herd and one would make sense, but like there's no reason that the predator would skin an entire herd of bison. That doesn't make sense. And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, because it's the illogical hunters that did yeah. this." I didn't even realize that the snake he kills at the beginning, the reason he kills the snake is it like bites a mouse or something like he, right in front of him. And, yeah, yeah, it attacks a mouse and he takes it down. So, yeah, it's fair. he's very dexter-y. I even thought, like, maybe he didn't attack the snake until the snake, like, sensed he was there somehow oh, and, like, tried to attack him. That's true. Yeah. That is a fun point, is that snakes have sensors in their mouth that detect heat. And that's why it could see the invisible see, uh, predator. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Because there were multiple times where Predator 
left someone alone because they didn't have a weapon on them or was yeah. ignoring them until they pointed a weapon at him. And then that was all she wrote. Yeah. Good guy. I have a question for you, Solange. Yes, Michael? Do you think a ticking and beeping bomb is a universal concept, or is it only something we understand because we know about ticking, beeping bombs? It's so interesting that you ask that, because when that started happening, I don't know if you're talking about Predator, like would the Predator culture have created that? But when it started happening, I was like, wait a minute. Why would these early 1700s humans <laughs> have any understanding that that ticking, and especially the ticking speeding up, yeah. that that had any meaning well, whatsoever? And that's what I was thinking. Like, it's glowing red, and it's getting faster and faster. Like, I can see that being kind of universal, where you're like, right, there's a tension something thing. is happening, I got to get away from this. But have we been taught yeah. that red, glowing lights, <laughs> and... Changing numbers and increasing speed of ticking, like that, that means something bad. I had the same question. And you are not giving me an answer then. Oh, well, the reason it came up is I thought, I don't think that they would necessarily know to be afraid of this. So I guess my gut instinct was <laughs> no, that is a learned behavior. It's very not possible. necessarily an instinctual one. Well, and that connects with something that was, I think. People have complained about this in the movie, and I think they're wrong to do so. Let's discuss. Okay. The thing is, these people talk like modern-day people, very notably, especially the main character. She'll say something like, I'm going to go down to the creek and shoot a deer. And, you know, just like someone today would say that. Sure. And except in this one, they, they're like, no, you can't. You're a girl. Right. Um, like someone today would. Yeah. <laughs> And you see that, and it kind of triggers something where you're like, no, that's not how people, especially indigenous people from the 1700s, would be talking. You know, they'd be like, I shall go shoot a deer, like very formal and Mm -hmm. stuff. But that's wrong. Right. Everyone throughout all of history has spoken informally for their time. Like, they spoke what language they spoke at the time, but they were, you know, they just speak naturally. They don't. Like, if they do it on Star Trek, too. All the aliens are like, I shall agree to your terms. Like, no, that's not how people talk. Or at the very least, like, one culture might seem more formal than the other culture. But, like, yeah. do you think they... Were they really speaking English to one another? I don't think so. No, they were, they were speaking their native language to each other, and it was just the movie... <laughs> The the worm in our brains was translating yeah. it to the language we understand, right? <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't matter how we would think they sounded. It's translating it into what they think they sound like. And you're exactly right. She would sound informal to the people around her. Yeah, and I've seen people online being like, no, it's it's all modern talk. And it's not. It's informal talk. It's normal talk. Right. That reminds me, there's the scene where she gets captured by the French trappers, and there's one of them who can speak her language. And it's interesting, they don't mention what language they're speaking, but he's like, you're Comanche, right? He says in English. And he's like, I can talk to you. And And I'm like, oh, so he's speaking Comanche now, not English. Or maybe she speaks English because she's been, you know, invaded by Europeans. But I I mean, maybe 
It's Comanche. But I don't know that they had had a whole lot of interaction with Europeans at that point. Like that might have been first. This movie might have been first contact in a lot of ways. It could be. I don't know. But yeah, that was. (laughs) And and several times I was like, I think this is supposed to just be like they're speaking their language and we're just getting it in English because that's what we understand. Yeah. And all the French was just French and wasn't even in the subtitles. It was just like. You're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. But then there were also times where they did use Comanche words. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, okay, (laughs) so are they speaking English now? Like, it was a little confusing. And apparently there's a Comanche dub of the movie you can watch that people have said, that's a fun way to see it. That would be fun. I feel like I kind of wish we had watched it that way. Just because, you know, that seems more appropriate. Yeah. yeah like watch yeah. it, you know, like watching any foreign language film, you watch it in the language and you see the subtitles. Like that's how I prefer to watch foreign language films. So. Yeah. Of course, this wasn't dubbed into English. This was filmed in English because yeah. half these people probably don't know Comanche at all. <laughs> Sadly. It's possible. It's possible. So I know I've already said that I did not find this movie very scary. Right. Because the things in it were things that I don't believe exist. Like, the, the scary things are things I'm not afraid of. There was a part of this movie that tapped into my deeply held 80s child trauma. <laughs> yeah. She is walking along through the woods, and she sinks into a bog. <laughs> yes. And immediately, I am in a panic because... <laughs> I was raised on the never-ending story and the Princess Bride (laughs) and terrible things happen in quicksand. And that is hilarious because as far as I can tell in real life, quicksand barely exists. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't quicksand, to be fair. It was a bog. I know. That's a good way of describing it. But like that sort of thing, like that doesn't happen in real life. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have like a really deep hole all of a sudden right next to flat ground. It's kind of weird. I mean, I think it's about the like the moisture content, the moisture yeah. level in the ground. And like, I, I mean, I know that it's a thing and I'm sure it was more a thing in the early 1700s before we, you know, screwed up everything. But it was one of those moments where I was like, <gasps> no, get out of there. Oh, no. Well, I was it, really it afraid. It was a big challenge to get out of there. It was. So, yeah. It was. It was one of the dramatic struggles that our hero faces. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those struggles. Okay. Classic, all movies, people get knocked out so much. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they get back up and they're fine. And boy, she got knocked out, I think, three times, maybe, maybe just twice. Like, seriously... First time she lands her head on a rock and she's out and she wakes up in at home and her brother had dragged her home, it turns out. And, you know, when she first wakes up, she's like, ow, my head and whatever. And then two seconds later, she's like, okay, I'm going to go out there. Oh, she's off to fight the predator. And that keeps happening. No, you got a concussion. Yeah. This a is cush- good. A concussion on top of a concussion, too. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of that in movies, and we need to stop it. It's sending the wrong message to our children and to our NFL players. <laughs> Indeed. And our and our hockey players. Yeah. 
It's it's always funny to me, um, whether it's like a head injury and being knocked unconscious or how well someone can shoot or how much someone is impacted by being shot, like all of those things. It's like if you need them to be incapacitated, being winged by a bullet, like (laughs) collapses them on the ground for four hours. Yeah. But if you need them to keep going, like they can get take, you know, five (laughs) bullets to the chest and they're like powering through. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's she gets knocked unconscious for hours at a time, <laughs> twice, and she's fine. Yeah. But, you know, during some of those fights, some of those Comanche warriors she was out there with get knocked down and they're out for the count. Yeah, because they're not her. Yeah. Which leads me to the concept of how you treat such problems. And my biggest fundamental movie-breaking issue with this movie. Mm -hmm. There is a magical orange herb they collect, a little orange flower, that clearly, I would say, is a fever reducer. You chew it up, and your temperature goes down. Like, that's what it's for. Like, right? Like, I'm not even sure fever reducer (laughs) is right, because that's not how fever reducers work. (laughs) No, that's that's my big issue. Like, I can't take a Tylenol and drop my body core, you know, my core body temperature. And that's the thing, is the predator sees in infrared, and when people chew this stuff, suddenly, within seconds at most, they are the same color to him as the background. So it's like, they're just gone, which means their body temperature is like 60 degrees, (laughs) or at least their skin temperature. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's nothing in the world that could do that. And it's so far outside the realm of physics that it just totally breaks the movie. And the thing is, they could have had... Oh, 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 <laughs> What ooh. could they have had? There was a thing that I thought was going to happen that didn't because she had realized, oh, it sees body heat. Like, she had yeah. figured that out. And then, sadly, her brother gets killed and she's all emotional about it and she goes to wash her hands in the river Mm -hmm. and i'm like "Ooh, that mountain stream is probably pretty cold cold. she's gonna submerge herself in it drop her body temperature at least the surface temperature yeah and like be able to ambush this thing like she's being clever no that that would make more sense and that's like throughout the movie she's like learning how it works in several cases, like she sees something it does and she's like, oh, okay. It shoots its darts wherever these laser beams go. Right. This is her, the the strength and power she had at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Once all the other people are dead and can't <laughs> tell her she's not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> she is able to use her power. But instead, it's just this thing that, I mean, it it is exactly that. And it could have mm-hmm. been done the way you said, but instead it involves this magic herb that's instantly drops your temperature to zero and they could have done that any other way it could have been a thing that takes six hours to do that even though again you can't really lower your body temperature that low and live but it could take six hours and that we could have had that she could have been hanging out with that french guy that she gave it to for a while while she was treating him and Mm -hmm. you know then the predator shows up and she sees how that works Mm -hmm. And in the end, when she uses it, she had time to prepare. She could have taken mm-hmm. it early and waited. Like, they didn't have to have it be magic and weird and stupid, but they did. 
Yeah. And, and that makes me wonder, like, I have not researched into this. I haven't read anything about this. So I don't know. Usually I try when it's a like cultural film like this, mm-hmm. I try to do some reading and be like, ooh, you know, how do the Comanche, how does the modern day Comanche community feel about how this representation was done? Yeah. And were they included in it and all of that? And I don't know. But that kind of makes me suspect that they weren't included as much as they probably should have been because it was that like, ooh, (laughs) indigenous people are magic kind of feel. And I think, I mean, it was trying to recognize like they understand, you know, the, the world around them in a different way, you know, that she has these skills about, you know, the medicinal plants in her area and she's going to use it. Like, I see where they were going with it, but it didn't make as much sense, especially since she, you know, they they had established early on that she could have given somebody too much and it would have killed him. Yeah. Like, so it wouldn't be smart for her to use this medicine that incapacitates you <laughs> in order to drop her temperature when there was some other solution right there that she would have been smart enough to figure out. I may be the only person in the world experiencing this movie the way I experienced it, which is, I don't think I've seen any of the other Predator movies. I had that idea. So I had no preconceived notion of what I was coming into. You knew he was invisible, right? I think that when that started to happen, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think I remembered that on my own. Like, literally, I do not think I've seen any of the Predator movies. Good, bad, or ugly. Like, (laughs) I know know there was, like, a lot of drama around the whole franchise. And, like, oh, it's terrible. There are so many terrible Predator movies. But then there's some really good ones. And, you know, hearing all the people say, like, this is the best one since the original. And I'm like, okay. So my experience of this movie... I suspect is very different from the experiences of most of the people who watched it. Because if you haven't seen any of the other Predator movies, why would you start here? Because I mean, it, it's got a different title. You don't know. It, it does. It does. And and perhaps because people are like, oh, this one is good. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I mentioned that because my rating is not going to have anything to do with the fact that it was a Predator movie. Uh-huh. And is really very much about the fact that it is a movie with a strong female lead who comes into her own power, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and that is a storyline I love. I also love movies that expand representation in the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. And as much as I said, I don't know how well the Comanche representation was done. So I, I, I don't know about that. I do feel like, we don't have enough movies with indigenous characters mm-hmm. as real people. And this definitely is a step in the right direction there. The other piece of representation is very clearly like lampshaded at the end, the very last scene of the movie where Naru becomes the war chief. If I'm interpreting the ceremony correctly, like I think that's because that's what happened to her brother after he came back with the lion there was the ceremony, and then she called him war chief. 
maybe it was ironic or like maybe. whatever. I don't but know. but the same thing happened. She comes back with the predator's head. She gets the ceremony, even though like her dad's a little bit like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then you know it seems to me like she has been given this title that she has so clearly earned. Yes. Finally. Um, and then there's another little girl in the tribe who is just gazing at her with this, like, <laughs> just rapture look on her face. Like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea I could even aspire to that. That's a thing. And that, to me, is, like, the cool thing about this movie. Because as much as Dude Bro on Facebook last night feels like, <laughs> you know, everything is fine... There are not enough movies for little girls who want to be strong and want to be seen as strong and warriors and powerful and all of those things. So this movie definitely fills in a little gap there. Yeah. So all of that is to say, I am going to give this movie four out of five beaver dens Mm -hmm. because it was, it was very enjoyable. I, I liked watching it. It was well done. It was beautiful in so many places. Like I've heard people talk about that and I absolutely agree with that. And I do wish that I had gotten to see it in a theater because there are some great like expansive shots of the prairie and the, you know, the places where they live that would have been spectacular on the big screen. But I'm not going to give it a five because I don't know. Like, I think that's just because this isn't my kind of movie. Like, I see how powerful it could be for some people. But for me, like, aside from those little bits of it, eh. Like, it wasn't the most scary movie I've ever seen. And, you know, it was monster comes, hero fights monster, hero wins. Like, at no point was I worried that Naru wouldn't win eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of movie. Yeah. So four out of five, I definitely would recommend people watch it. And I definitely would recommend that dude bros shut the hell up about it. About everything. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what about you? I'm just going to shut the hell up about it. <laughs> I may have seen every Predator movie. I'm that not sure, though. Me. Here's the thing. I'm not sure if I've seen them all because I don't really care about them. When people say this is the best one since the original, some people say it's better than the original. Others say that's the best and this is second. I'm like, that's not saying a whole lot. The original was like an 80s Arnie movie with Jesse Ventura in it. Oh, boo! It was, uh, you know, it was... (laughs) The original Predator was his launch pad into politics. (laughs) Both of them. Oh, my God. It was a, you know, it was a squad of Marines in the jungle fighting an alien. Like, it was super cheesy. And obviously, I saw it in, like, the 80s or maybe the 90s. And that's probably the last time I saw it. And whatever. It's, like, such a cheesy comic book thing. And since then, there have been some really bad ones, like, super bad. And there have been others also. And I may, I probably haven't seen them all, but that's because they kind of fly beneath the radar. They're not that great. So when people say this is the best one, I fully agree. This is the best Predator movie. Nice. But that's such a low bar. Right, right. <laughs> like, who cares? So as an actual movie, 
I think I agree with your rating. I will give it four Beaver Dens out of five. I thought it was pretty good, pretty fun, but again, the magic herb just crushed it. Like, not even Marvel movies have stuff that wrong about them. Like, I mean, that they do broken. have a giant glove with some stones in it that can yeah. do literally anything at once. But then that's like, oh, that's some kind of cosmic magic. This was like, this is a flower you can find here on Earth, which probably is a real herb, like orange tatsier or something, I think it was called. I bet that's real. I bet it's a fever reducer. It doesn't do this. <laughs> you know, like, don't, just don't do that. Don't yeah. write stupid. Yeah. I hate that so much because there's so so many easy ways. Like the river thing would have been cool. Although there is a thing in the original Predator, which is very similar. In fact, it's the same thing. Arnie gets into some mud. He like splats himself up against a wall covered completely in mud. And apparently his body heat doesn't get through the mud somehow. Even though, even though his eyes are open, <laughs> his ice cold eyes are open. I mean, I think he starts with them closed and it's dramatic when he opens them. I think the problem here is that when you rely, when the one thing that we have over them is our, is the ability to control how our body heat is seen. <laughs> that's, like That's our big move. That's, that's a, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. It's funny because that doesn't have to be the thing. Like, when we're fighting any other dangerous thing, making it not see us isn't the only way to win. Right. So I enjoyed it, and I love to see representation. I'm tired of white people in movies, so cool. Yeah. Fight the horror of a world gone mad. So my hot political tip today is actually about representation. And it's really targeted at people like ourselves mm -hmm. who have actually benefited from a lot of representation in the world. Yeah. Like, even though I am a woman, <laughs> I, I, on basically every other facet of my life, I am well represented. I have all the privilege, right? So... I'm specifically targeting this representation tip at folks like us mm -hmm. because there's a lot of like the memes going around that we all like to share about how, you know, if you don't see a seat at the table, you make a seat at the table for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's all well and good. But we're still telling people who are underrepresented that it is their responsibility to make themselves be more represented yeah. when the truth of the matter is... It's up to those of us who have enjoyed representation for centuries now to acknowledge that and to step back and say, hey, this seat that was reserved for me, I'm going to let someone else sit in it. And that's a super hard thing for people to do because we're in this mentality that like you have to fight for your seat at the table because otherwise no one's looking out for you. And the truth of the matter is, literally everyone is looking out for us. We do not have to be sitting at the table ourselves in it's order true. for us to continue to live our life of privilege. Well, and if the people with the least 
were in charge of things and setting things up, they'd be making it so everybody ha- was okay. Yes, because we have this like this idea that if we let someone who has not had a seat at the table come to the table, they are immediately going to go, you know what? We're going to we're going to take all the seats. Yeah. Like that we have this idea that that what people who are seeking equitability are actually looking for is revenge. <laughs> like that they're going to retaliate against those who have held them down. And while I'm sure there are a few people who are like, yeah. "Sure, let's do that." The 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 truth of the matter is that really what we're looking for is representation for all. And so I guess it boils down to we have to look around at the tables that we are sitting at. And again, we being the folks with privilege, the white people with money who are straight passing, who are, you know, have typical abilities that the world is designed for and, you know, all of that. We have to look around and be able to say who is missing at this table and it is our responsibility to speak up and say hey i don't see anyone who can speak on disability i don't see anyone who can speak on the experience of um a a transgender person's life i don't see anyone who can speak on what it's like to move through this part of the world as a person of color we have to say i see people missing and then we have to demand that they are given seats at the table and if there are a limited number of seats we have to say i am going to give my seat mm-hmm. to someone who isn't already represented at this table and i i literally don't know what it will take to get people to start making those decisions and to stop having this fear of like if i step back from the table i will lose everything but we have to get past that or nothing is going to change and we have to look at the people who are at the table who say absolutely not i will never give up my seat at the table blah 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 and we have to be like yeah, you're not who we want and we have to work to remove those people from the table because they're not there for the good of community, they're there for the good of themselves and that's not acceptable. That's not sustainable. We cannot move forward as a culture if all the seats at the table are filled full of people who are going to hold on to those seats until their last dying breath to protect their own privilege. Okay. So, there you go. Yeah. With that said, we'll be back next week with another fascinating film for you all to enjoy. Woohoo! Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to call your elected representatives. the thing you had to say a giant wall fart because <laughs> that's what i heard <laughs> yeah.